Welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk About X podcast. In our small but cozy studio in the basement of the X building, we invite other students and experts to join us to discuss topics that are interesting for you, the students of the TU Delft. My name is Pepijn. My name is Nico. And today it is International Women's Day when this podcast is online. A day to celebrate the cultural, political, and socio-economic achievements of women. Both for our students, it might be, uh, but for our students, it might be more interesting to focus on a niche in those achievements and look at the current situation when it comes to women in science, in academia, or in engineering. How are women doing? Is everyone served an equal chance to to do well? And what will the future look like for women in science and engineering, the female students of today? And also at the TU Delft specifically, there will be uh, a theme based around this where we will focus more on solidarity. So more uh, looking into um, the fact and the, the opportunity for everyone, not only women themselves, but also for men to, uh, for instance, do a better job at making it more equal for everyone. To, uh, to find answers to all these questions, we invited two guests today. First of all, uh, we invited Hanneke Takkenberg. Professor of Clinical Decision-Making in Cardiothoracic Interventions at the Erasmus University Medical Center in Rotterdam, and also Chair of the Dutch Network of Women Professors. And our second guest of tonight is Sofia Lutzko, a professor uh, in Smart Energy Systems at the faculty of TPM here at the TU Delft, and board member of the Network for Female Scientists at the TU Delft called Davis. Thanks for coming and welcome to the show. Uh, How are you doing? Well, actually, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. Yeah, excited to be part of this podcast uh, at what for me is the most important day of the year, March 8th, International Women's Day. Yeah, the same applies to me. I am very happy to contribute to the podcast on 8th of March, very important date, International Women's Day. Let's go. Good, good, and it's it's fun that you uh, that you both say it's it's for us the most important day, and I think that's also the the reason that you both joined uh, a board or or um, yeah a, a certain commission or or anything like that. Um, I would like to know a little bit more about that first. Uh, first, Sophia, what is what is Daywis exactly, and what do you do? I am a board member of Davis, and Davis is in the Women's Network of Scientists at the Delft University of Technology. And we have a clear mission to uh, bring uh, scientists, women, female scientists together by also to influence the policy of the uh, university to attract more women and create an inclusive, safe environment for all women at the university. And uh, being in the board, you can contribute to these noble goals. Nice, nice. Yeah, I think it's it's very important that at least women feel treated equally and also safe here at, at the TU Delft. I think um, that that can never hurt, and for every student, that's very important. And for you, Hanneke, what is uh, what is the LNVH, the abbreviation of uh, where you're in uh, doing? Can you explain a little yeah. bit more about that? Absolutely. Well, LNVH stands for the Dutch Network of Women Professors, and we represent over fifteen hundred. Uh, female, full and associate professors in the Netherlands. And uh, what we stand for is uh, proportionate representation of women in Dutch academia. And we do that uh, uh, in a number of ways. I think, first of all, we stand for equal representation of women in numbers in science. 
but we also stand for equal payments and equal rewarding uh, for female and male scientists. And finally, and I guess, uh, Sophia, that's also number one on uh, on our priority list, is a safe and inclusive mm -hmm. academic environment. And uh, we still have a long way to go there. Yeah, because what is the, the, the status quo on, on women in science right now? How are they doing? Uh, well, how are they doing? Uh, well, I can. Uh, you should read the monitor, uh, female professors, that we uh, actually publish every December, where we uh, tell the academic community, and I al also hope uh, broader in society, it's also being voiced, what uh, the current status is. And right now, when we look at the highest uh, level uh, in science, uh, when it comes to full professors, about one in four. Uh, full professors uh, is a woman and, uh, and w on the one hand we're really proud we're there uh, on the other hand of course we have a long way to go and uh, if we look at where we stand today and if we look at the rate of progression mm -hmm. over the years uh, it will take uh, 20 more years uh, before we reach equality wow 20 and, years and that's, yeah that's way past my retirement <laughs> yeah, that's a long and way to go then. Hanneke looks at the national level and when we look uh, at the level of TU Delft, we will observe that TU Delft is actually at the uh, uh, lowest level of the number of uh, female professors in the country. Yeah, I saw and that that's too. something what is surprising me for many years uh, already. TU Delft is a really excellent university if you look at the uh, research performance and well known in the whole world. But if you look at the national achievements regarding the gender equality, we are actually worst in class. So it is a really way to go to, you know, to change the situation and to create an environment that we are not worst in class when our goal is to be best in class regarding the research. So you see a big tension. Mm. And uh, what I would like also to add, I observe some changes, some changes and awareness growing up in the board of the university mm -hmm. and uh, at the faculties and maybe in some faculties more than by the others, by something is changing. By the tempo is not uh, speedy enough, I will okay. say. So there is really way to go, and we all together need contribute to, to, to the speedy changes and better uh, better performance. Okay, but I'm I'm going to play a little bit of the devil's advocate here. Is it a problem that the ratios between men and women are not the same in academia, and why? Yeah, uh, well, it is a problem, and uh, and it's it's not as much a problem uh, for women, but it's also a problem uh, for the institutions. Uh, we try to be innovative. We try to push technology forward, and still, if there is a what, what I call dominant coalition of men uh, that tends to uh, I, I guess group together and form some sort of homogeneous population. 
I don't think if you always agree with each other, there's never going to be innovation. Yeah. You need diverse teams. And in that respect, uh, from the perspective of the organization, it is a missed opportunity. Uh, I do believe it is a problem for women uh, as well, uh, but it's also a problem uh, for men. Mm-hmm. Because in order to have optimal performance, if you have diversity, everybody will start uh, to perform better, both women and men. Yeah. Yeah. And what I can add to this, I see this really as a problem. As we will look on the participation of the female students in the Netherlands, that is a little bit more than the half. Uh, 52%, so far I know, something like this. But if you look in the participation of female researchers in Europe, the Netherlands is also almost the the last one in the hierarchy. And of course, diversity is important because the performance of the organization are better and better. But also, it is socially not acceptable. Mm -hmm. We have a society with 50% of men and 50% of women. So I will say that is a really principal, uh, principal objective to have also in the academia 50% of women. And I a better representation of the society. To have the the good representation of the society. Mm. But uh, how to go there, it it is a question. And and Sophia, actually, it's a waste of talent. And it's a waste of money that we invest uh, in talented women and if they don't, uh, if they're not allowed uh, to really develop their talents because of all kinds of systemic, uh, but I think also uh, implicit bias uh, type of mechanisms, this is costing society a lot. And and let alone, I mean, uh, it can be about cost, but it's also about social justice. I think in the end, that's something that drives me the most. But you, you the fact that it's not fair. But you say like um, a sort of social bias. Can you explain that? What you what you mean with that? Well, I, I think if we look at the imbalance between men and women in science, there mm-hmm. are a couple of mechanisms that are underlying uh, this phenomenon, and and one of them is implicit bias. We know that if we uh, know the gender of a scientist, uh, um, we know that we rate women lower than men uh, when it comes to uh, their scientific achievements Mm -hmm. and when it comes to the way they educate. If you ask students to rate um, uh, a professor, they will systematically rate uh, female professors lower than male professors. Also when it comes to rating the CV of a scientist, uh, if there's a very famous experiment about this, uh, it's called the John and Jennifer study. It's a randomized controlled trial yeah. where they had identical CVs, but one half of the CVs had Jennifer uh-huh. as a name, oh. and the other half of the CVs had John as a name. That's a striking they, result. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, well, the, what what they did is they distributed these CVs among uh, uh, people in universities managers in universities and they asked them to rate John and Jennifer. 
And what they found is that John was systematically rated higher than Jennifer when it came to uh, competence, when it uh, came to hireability, when it came to uh, how likely they thought he was going to be mentored, so being a high potential. But these CVs were identical. So was, was the rate between was the, um, was the rate between men and women as voters the same? Uh, it was about the same, yeah, okay. and when it came to salary, the women raters were even a little bit more strict than the male raters. Oh, wow. That was, for me, the most striking thing, because yeah. I always thought, well, you know, women will support other women, but this is Apparently not, not true. the case. No, that's no, also weird, true. yeah. But no, I, that, that's not weird, that yeah. women do not support other huh? women. Would you, would you say it's a bit of, like, internalized, uh, uh, the, the internalized bias of, like, preferring and, like... Uh, putting men over women, kind of like the cultural uh, uh, system well, making you internalize that women should like should do not as good as men? Uh, yeah, uh, I think being a minority makes you do that. Uh, I think uh, as women, uh, as you are a minority, you tend to you tend to be less likely to support each other than when you're in the majority, and I think that's part of the problem mm. as well. Uh, and uh, well, there's another nice example, but I I don't want to mm -hmm. stick into examples. But yeah. <laughs> last month there was an article in one of the major American surgical journals where they took a look at uh, surgeons, female and male surgeons, and they actually found that female surgeons were um, well, male surgeon was actually a risk factor for female patients uh, to die uh, after surgery. So basically what this paper said, if you're a woman and you're operated by a male surgeon, your mm -hmm. chance of dying increases with 15% oh, compared wow. to when you're operated by a female surgeon. Wow, okay. And uh, so there's some really crazy uh, things that happen when there's an imbalance, we have a minority of uh, female surgeons and they need to outperform the male surgeons in order to be accepted in that profession. So you have a minority of really great women surgeons mm -hmm. and there's the majority of male surgeons who are really in their comfort zone and not trying to outperform others. So I think that that's a mechanism that's also playing a role. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why the mechanisms are very, very complex. Maybe something else I would like to share with you my own experience. I am a, a leader of the research group of section. We call this a section, I guess, with the highest percentage of female professors at TU Delft, 75%. So that is quite a lot. Yeah. And I was writing a job description for a new position for a new professor by me in the group. And I get back uh, the remark that my job description is not female friendly. And I was so surprised because of, of this, because I think myself, I am really not biased and so on. But you are also sometimes you know without being aware of this using war, uh, wrong words and uh, presenting maybe maybe the group in the way that is not attractive for women 
And uh, this makes me aware how complex this situation is and how you should uh, be aware of uh, own boundaries yep. regarding you know, the approaching genders in one or other way. And I corrected the job description and so on, but, but it, it, uh, it uh, made me much more aware about the bias, mm. which could be by others maybe even stronger. Yeah, it's like really up to um, not only yourself, but really how, how it's perceived by the others exactly. around you. Exactly, yeah. and how important it is to realize that we are biased and we yeah. need to to work on it, to be aware of it and try to eliminate this as much as we can. I think it's really um, a cultural thing as well. Yeah, also already what, what you said, Hanukkah, like with that we apparently rate male scientists higher and, and better than female scientists that I think it's a sort of yeah a cultural thing or something it's a sort of yeah, yeah. standardized for some reason and I don't know what it is but mm. I think that that there, there should be a switch in mindset about that in or society to yeah. make it, more steps yeah that's right it, it's a societal issue and uh they say it's between the ages of five and seven mm -hmm. that boys and girls are starting to behave in a gendered way. Uh, and, is and, that and genetically so not, determined or is no, that no, based no, no, on their no, no, surroundings? No, that's, that's based on their surroundings. Uh, I do believe it's a societal challenge mm. um, to really try to uh, at least uh, make it uh, less important this gendered stuff we're all we've i mean I, at least I'm, I'm quite old but i grew up uh with my mom being at home and actually she got fired when she got pregnant with me mm -hmm. uh, uh, because back then that was the law as soon as you got pregnant uh you had to leave your job and you were honorfully discharged oh and my, my father was making a career uh, and we know uh, that you can actually test right now. It's, it's still very uh, normal to have implicit bias, even the younger generation. Yeah. There's a great website um, uh, from Harvard where you can test your implicit association yeah. when it comes to uh, gender and science, but all kinds of other biases as well. <laughs> and actually, it is quite hard uh, to associate uh, men with stuff that happens at home, you know, uh, with children and, yeah. uh, you know, they're like caring stuff. And it's very hard to associate women with STEM or any any type of science. Uh, in our minds, we are somehow wired in such a way that we uh, associate women less yeah. with a successful career in science. And we do not picture men being at home, caring yeah. and making sure the household runs. And the, the silly thing is there's nothing we can do about it. We can only be aware yeah, and exactly. act upon it. Awareness is very yeah. important. Yeah, maybe yeah. awareness is the first step for change. Yeah. yeah, I think so. That is absolutely the case. And maybe I can share with you my experience. I came to the Netherlands from Poland in uh, 85 and I started my job at the, the university, technical university in Eindhoven mm -hmm. by applied physics and I was there the only women, no students, only secretary, no uh, uh, female colleagues, nobody. And I 
come from Poland with actually the gender equality in my bubble was not the issue at all. And it was uh, for me very, very difficult to understand why are these differences so big between the countries. And uh, looking more and more, I uh, observed that, that the culture, tradition and the law institutions were so important to, to form the society. And uh, I also, yeah, when I am looking back, I observe slow changes in the institution and in the society. And I hope that we will go there what we would like to be mm -hmm. by the changes uh, go on so slowly. So I am all the time looking how we can accelerate the change. Yep. Changes are going all by they are too slow. We need to accelerate this. And that is uh, yeah, call for, I don't know, changing policy, changing the mindsetting and, and so on. Mm. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, because like what you also say, like in society there is this this sort of cultural difference um and i i want to focus a little bit more on the tu delft before we do that i have one mm -hmm. other question do we see this uh both the trend of of increasing uh female to male ratios as well as the status quo of how uh the ratio between females and males in um in academia is is that the same in more uh yeah of, of, of companies and other institutions or don't you don't you know that per se? Yeah, well, I can tell a bit more. Perhaps I should start within science, because uh, there are different scientific fields, yeah. and the challenges within the different scientific fields are also different. Different. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, if we look at Technical University Eindhoven and Technical University Delft, uh, what we see is that uh, far uh, there there is a minority of w young women are entering the field. And, um, and that actually uh, the proportion of students that enters a technical university and that's female is below average. So there the, the challenge already starts at the entry of the university. And then the technical universities, and I, I should say particularly Eindhoven in the past few years, have done everything they could yeah. to try to increase and retain and to promote more women. Uh, but they start off with, uh, I, I guess, already a disadvantage at the entry of university. So there the solution is both in incentives to increase the proportion of women in higher scientific positions, mm -hmm. but also to attract more young Female women students. Into, in, yeah, into STEM. Uh, and then when I look at my own field, medicine, mm -hmm. when I when I graduated from medical school, which was in 1994, like ages ago, <laughs> then uh, almost 70% of the the students that were becoming a medical doctor, they were female. Yeah. So yeah. over there, it's been for decades that there is uh, an overflow of women entering that system. Nevertheless, if I look at my own institution, the Erasmus MC, we only have 22% women professors. I so there the yeah. challenges are within the institutions. I find it very interesting because yeah. then what you can actually see, I was also scrolling through the statistics of the TU Delft, for instance, and you have um, mm -hmm. uh, like different faculties, um, 
for instance, in uh, architecture, you have like uh, a ratio or almost 60% of the bachelor students at the Faculty of Architecture uh, at the TU Delft in 2021. Um, yeah, 60% of, of the students were female, but then you can see that 35.6% uh, full professors are only female. So you see that there is quite a gap in exactly the amount or percentage entering and the percentage ending up as a full professor, for instance. But is it a really fair comparison to make? Is it not that we can now see that since the amount of students that is female is also higher than the amount of male students, for instance, that this problem will indeed solve itself, kind of, if you just wait? Or, or maybe yeah. would you say it's, it's, uh, it, has, it has something to do with the fact that once you graduate, not necessarily every female student that graduates yeah. uh, practices the, the profession? Or yeah, like I is would there, say is there a disconnect? waiting is not sufficient. Mm. Uh, maybe the uh, change in the culture is also needed. What I know from the study of uh, our uh, uh, CBS Office for Statistics, that the uh, female students uh, think differently about the future in comparison with the uh, men. So they think differently about uh, amount of working hours and if they think differently about combination of uh, private la uh, life with a job. and. Um, I think that is uh, actually influenced by by the by the culture. So we all need together that this will also change, mm -hmm. so that the the mind setting uh, by men and women will change in such the, in such a way that they think about the future in the similar way. Yeah. The other, um, another change which is needed that is the change in the organization. We need to keep these women in the organization when they are already there. We need to think what they need, how we can support them and uh, to keep them. Yeah, because what and, is the reason uh, that they leave then? What would you think? That, that is also quite complicated by, by maybe a couple of ex example, examples that, that, that the uh, way of life by women is different. If you have also the, the, the task regarding childcare and so on, you will organize your life differently. Yeah. And if your employee is not supporting you in giving you additional Time uh, off or flexible time working time times. And so yeah. on that you will behave differently. So maybe the, the organization is too much practical. built for men. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they um, define the surroundings. Yeah. So it is yeah. the way that for women is difficult to find the way. Mm -hmm. They are also in some periods of life maybe publishing a little bit less later on much more by in some period of life less uh, that that is changing by as many changes uh, according to me it is going to slow yeah i mean I, what I, I, I what i think is uh well you just mentioned it the uh, the structures in science are designed by men and for men and i think there is a, a, a a great deal of the solution lies in changing these structures. 
I, I mean, it's uh, if you picture a scientist, uh, you usually think uh, of an Einstein type of person that works all day and all night and um, uh, and, and does nothing else. And um, and if you look at the way we deal with each other in our universities, there's a lot of competition. Yeah. There's a lot of individualism. You have rock star scientists who can do anything they want. Uh, there is a strong hierarchy and uh, there is what I call the similar to me syndrome. Uh, that is you hire people that look like you and that actually sustain that system. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's there where changes are direly needed. Okay. And uh, I can't wait for that to happen. And what, what, what should, uh, for instance, the universities do then? Because you say, okay, the structure is not good. Maybe uh, maybe the, the employers are not giving enough opportunity for women to uh, really excel in, in higher uh, positions in academic life. But like um, you, you mentioned uh, the, the University of Eindhoven earlier. What they did is they, they set some quota, uh, quota on, on uh, a percentage of women they really wanted or, or needed almost to to have within the university that had a lot of backlash and i think it was also uh declared to be illegal maybe not not completely sure on that um but do you think that for instance a quotum is the way to go to break this status quo yeah well if you put it in the context of uh, the technical university eindhoven they basically tried every single trick in the book to attract and retain more women yeah. <laughs> and they were with uh, their their back to the wall and mm -hmm. there was nothing else they could do so they made a statement and they they said we we will do anything to attract more women and of course uh, the international court for human rights i believe it was uh, yeah i think so yeah they, they got complaints right. and uh, and actually it ruled that it was not fair uh, to men Mm -hmm. There were like 50 plus men who had filed a complaint. And uh, and what happened then, of course, they could not continue. But what they did is they revised their plan. And what they're currently doing is actually in those faculties within that university where it's really needed to attract more women, they continue to have this strategy. Mm -hmm. And it works. It's it's proven effective. And um, I think if you talk to the Rector Magnificus of Technical University Eindhoven, he is really pleased because uh, it truly helped them to get over this barrier. But uh, I, I do believe that uh, a quotum by itself will not solve it. Mm -hmm. If you don't change the system, if you don't change the culture, you can push in women into the organization, but they won't feel at home and they won't be allowed to excel yep. and they will leave the institution very fast. So if you want to have sustainable change, you need to do a combination of things. Yep. And uh, I believe quota can be one of them. Maybe to uh, break but it. But yeah, yep. to break it, uh, but it should be temporary and it should be in alignment with a number of cultural and institutional changes yeah. that you need to pursue. I think I agree on that. I think like the, it's a good tool to maybe... Um, indeed change the, the, the current uh, state of, of ratios but not be the, the yeah. end goal or end tool. Yeah. 
Yeah, that, that is true by what we observe in the private sector. Mm -hmm. We know that since 1st of January of this year, a new law has yeah. been enforced for the companies and a law aiming at the improving the ratio between women and men in the top and in the uh, subtop of the company. Is it in the Netherlands only or on European level? Yeah, that was uh, uh, that is indeed on the European level, yeah, and the I, Netherlands was long time against. Yeah, yeah, I read something about that. Law, but finally, that 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 uh, went through, mm -hmm. and I am very happy that this is the case because if it is the case, actually the, the companies are forced to um, design system and structure and. Uh, also to get may, may, maybe more management involvement in uh, realizing mm. these goals. And that is a little bit uh, maybe the problem also in our university. We would like to change as a university, but, but we are not really forced uh, to do this. Uh, European Union uh, uh, changed uh, change the system of accepting European projects that they introduced the obligation of have to have the diversity officers at the universities and also having the gender equality plans. That mm. is the obligation we need to satisfy. And that is also influencing to some extent uh, now that the uh, policy, internal policy of the university. So some changes can be forced in this way. That is not the only one, but important. Uh, would you say it has something to do as well with like who's making the changes? Uh, I, I can imagine it might be different if, I, if a man makes the changes as if a woman who probably has a more comprehensive experience and like point of view would make the changes like is that a part of the of the problem itself it could be a problem what i observed i men very often are not aware about the problem if you talk to uh, some some uh, men you you will get an answer is this really a problem give me the numbers give me an example of the problem i will change this i will try to fix this but they are very often not aware that is uh, much more complicated that is about now the, the cultural uh, change and not changes one or other uh, regulation mm. that is not about yeah providing extra day off of something like this it is really about the uh, the culture and not everybody is aware that the changes are needed and that there, that is really a problem. And, and I don't know, Haneke, if you agree with this, if you observe this in the same way. Yeah, well, I, I think that the gender equality uh, works both ways. I also believe that all everybody, regardless of their gender or background, benefits from a safe uh, uh, environment uh, where they can thrive in. So I think it's a responsibility for all of us. And I, I th actually, it's not about solving a problem. Uh, again, I do believe it's about picking up the glove and and and, and, and see the opportunity in gender diversity, mm -hmm. because gender diversity in the content of our research, whether it's technical or medical, has added value. And uh, gender in our organizations will make sure that our organization uh, of research will also improve. 
And, uh, and finally, leadership. I believe it's important to have female and male leaders yeah. uh, because they will inspire the future female and male leaders. And, and, and it will spark innovation and it will help us to accelerate the advancement of technology. So I only see advantages uh, and, and I think everybody should work together to do that. I don't want uh, a university that's dominated by women because I know it won't work as well uh, as when we have a balance yeah. and have equal representation, equal opportunities. Uh, yeah, and it I, seems all fair to me. Yeah, and I also think that on the on the level of um, students entering university there's already been done a great job i see that in the uh, academic year of 2019 2020 um 42.4% of the uh, students that started an uh, a technical study program were female so i think on that side it's already better now of course it's also more focused on keeping actually the women in the academic world um, yeah. So what is the what is the TU Delft doing now uh, for for making it better here? It starts with understanding understanding the problem why the women go away and uh, choose for for other jobs. So what we do we try to organize the so-called exit talks, especially with women, to understand. What is the reason that they uh, leave uh, the university? Yeah. We all, uh, and it is uh, for that they do this for uh, various reasons. But from time to time, we hear also that this uh, the environment which is not really female friendly, mm-hmm. and uh, this could be the reason for uh, choosing another job and another employee. They don't what feel we welcome. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. What we also try to do organize many activities and Davis and Astrid, Astrid Tal being here with us is doing great job by uh, organizing activities for uh, young women to create networking uh, possibility. Networking I will say is very very important for uh, women. Normally it is not so easy for them to find the appropriate network to support each other and supporting each other is really the the, the clue, almost the cornerstone of the success. So creating this possibility for networking, being together is important. I think it's a good strategy because also like there's always a talk about like an old boys club, right? When like uh, yeah, older exactly. men help each other via their networks in other company positions, so maybe if women yeah. can have a, have more opportunity to build their networks as well, this can yeah, be counteracted a little bit. Yeah, and maybe the networks should be a little bit different, not between five and six in the evening, I don't know, but they are needed and they can uh, provide a lot of added value. Also empowering uh, women so that they don't feel that they are, uh, uh, yeah, I will say in the in the minority in the university, that yeah. they are really empowered and they can yeah, make a, a change and that is what university is doing and what we also try to do uh, have the frequent talks with the board of the university because mm-hmm. it is important task for the board of the university to spread the message that the gender equality is 
really better for the university. With the gender equality, the university will be even better. Yeah. Uh, would you say uh, there's is there something we as TU Delft students can do to help? Uh, sometimes I think there, uh, that will be fine to have a frequent discussion on the uh, gender equality, diversity, also between the students. That they, from time to time, you see in the Studium Generale some activities when we organize uh, uh, workshops or uh, seminars. We see very often female participants by uh, seldom. Uh, men as participants, I will mm -hmm. say, feel invite, and if you would like to join, please join, because we need to do this together. We need to understand each other much better. Yeah. Having discussion and possibility to interact with each other. Yeah, otherwise and it looks... Aware also that we all are biased. So look on your own bias. So Be far aware. You can. Check yourself. <laughs> well, well, I have something else to add to that. Uh, I, I, when I look at Erasmus University, uh, my uh, home university, uh, I do notice that among students, uh, the awareness of um, respecting each other. Uh, the awareness of the problems that come along with uh, sexual harassment are way more on the agenda than among all, all older people, the staff at the university. And I do believe that students play an important role in uh, stating, hey, we want this university be a place where we can develop our talents and where we do not have to be afraid, where yeah. it's safe and inclusive. And we make that together. And I think the voices of students in creating a, a safe uh, social uh, environment in our academic communities is crucial because you are leading the way there, because mm -hmm. you are, uh, as my daughters say, way more woke than I am. And, uh, that's a new generational and, uh, thing, maybe. Yeah, that's a, that's a new generational yeah. thing. And I, I think that also enriches the conversation uh, beyond gender. Uh, but also looks at other diversity aspects uh, related, uh, well, to all kinds of diversity, mm -hmm. visible and invisible, that you can imagine. And I think students are paving the way right now, at least at my university. Yeah, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that that also students are contributing and being, yeah, uh, yeah have oh, a feeling so of, or a sense of solidarity as well to uh, to improve upon this. Yeah, and absolutely. And is there and something? What is your uh, oh, experience? My experience. How do you, exactly. That is maybe also interesting to share with us regarding the gender equality mm -hmm. in the student life at New Delft. I think uh, for me, I am. Uh, I think we both are at a faculty studying at a faculty where there are actually quite some women, uh, especially among the among the students. I'm studying at the Faculty of Applied Sciences. And there are, uh, there's a percentage of 33, uh, I see here, uh, bachelor students, 33% is female. But I think in my bachelor program, which is life science and technology, uh, it's actually pretty much even, I'm quite sure, uh, at least in the bachelor. But I, yeah, I of course notice as well in the academic staff that most uh, full professors are men. However, I do see that quite some PhD students are women. So there is, yeah, a sort of gap that's not being covered completely yet, uh, mm -hmm. I think. But amongst the students, yeah, I think for me, it's 
pretty equal, I would say. And we are happy to hear it and maybe the, the changes uh, will be stronger and stronger and will continue in the yeah. good direction. And uh, closing the gap, that is not only the, the uh, issue of time lag and just waiting and everything yeah. will uh, come uh, by itself to, 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 to the uh, right uh, ratio. But I think also the young people should try to influence this talk with each other about the gender equality Advocate. and the importance of the diversity at the university. So we will be very happy if you can yeah, uh, do this. Yeah. I think this podcast already uh, is going to contribute a little influence, bit to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to uh, to to maybe ask one final uh, final question. Um, like, what is uh, they was going to do on uh, the eighth of March? Are there any special activities uh, maybe um, organized for uh, for spreading more awareness? Yeah, at student, indeed, we would like to have a very special day and maybe the first time in the history of university mm -hmm. make this a very big day, starting with an um, uh, introduction and a vision of our board of the university regarding the importance of gender equality at the university. That is a very, very important part and important statements and we are very very happy that the board of the university is supporting us Good. in yeah. this respect we have also very pleasant uh, event during the lunch and uh, that is an um, uh, workshop and symposium on in the imposter syndrome with an uh, entertainment and discussion is this something special for women or not and maybe not how to influence uh, uh, the, the the impression regarding the imposter syndrome in the society mm. and how to change yourself if you are uh, yeah part of the, the situation that you you are suffering of it and uh, with uh, some entertainment and uh, discussion with the uh, participants. At the end of the day, we have also a discussion uh, with a female scientists and actually with everybody in the, at the university regarding the gender equality, also with some uh, nice acts and uh, drinks and possibilities for informal discussion together a lot to do a lot, a lot, to, work on. A lot to do exactly and i also know that, that at the faculty levels there are also smaller initiatives Good. going on and uh, COVID time is not the easiest way to organize such an event having all activities online is not not really yeah. Uh, it's not so engaging, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. So you are looking for ways in between, mm. and we are happy that we can organize also some face-to-face -face meetings. Good. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. I hope uh, I hope you will succeed and uh, and have a good day with uh, with a lot of enthusiastic uh, students, both male and female. And, uh, exactly. and, and maybe academic staff as well. I hope they will come as well. Yes, of course. Good. Everybody is welcome. And you too. Good. Yeah, we'll look forward to it. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe we'll all join. Um, yeah. yeah, I think um, yeah. if there if there isn't anything you, uh, you want to add, then um, we're going to wrap up. 
Is there maybe a final message uh, that you want to uh, to bring in the world? Well, uh, well, if I may close, uh, of course. I think uh, on behalf of the Dutch, Dutch network of women professors, uh, uh, we see challenges when it comes to uh, getting towards uh, gender equality in Dutch academia, but it offers also so much opportunities to make science better and to make it a more fun place to work. And I think that's what we should focus on. And of course, if we want to have a sustainable future, I think it's an essential asset. Think in solutions and not in problems. Yeah. Good. Okay, thank you. I think, uh, yeah, I, I do have a lot of questions I still want to ask about all the ratios and trends <laughs> and other other cultural differences maybe, but uh, I think we should wrap up. And um, I'd like to thank you very much for, uh, for being here and uh, to have this nice talk with us. Um, so... To everyone at home, thanks for uh, for listening to uh, to this episode as well. In two weeks, there will of course be another episode of the Let's Talk About X podcast, so please stay tuned. Uh, and we're a community-driven podcast, so if you have any interesting topic or uh, if you want uh, a certain uh, person to be on the show, please let us know via the X Instagram, and uh, we will try what we can do. See you next time. <laughs>